0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. About a decade or so ago, I was visiting the Washington, D.C. area with a few friends of the family. Their oldest son was working as an intern for a U.S. Congressman during the summer. And while he was at work, we toured the sites around the city. We saw the Capitol building, partially guided by the person who we were visiting, We spent a few days around all the different Smithsonian museums, ate meals at a few landmark restaurants like the Old Ebbett Grill. And we also visited Arlington National Cemetery and watched the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. All was going very well, everything according to plan. No mishaps, no ruined adventures, No cause for concern that is until one afternoon when a few of us decided to go see George Washington's home at Mount Vernon now we were traveling around DC on the Metro from Arlington or in taxis or on foot because everything's rather close together there was no reason to rent a car so When we decided to go to Mount Vernon, I pulled out my handy-dandy iPhone and Googled up the best way to travel from the hotel to Mount Vernon using public transit. The route involved buses. And let me pause right here and say that I hate, hate with a passion traveling by buses because things like I'm about to tell you is what always happens to me. Subways, undergrounds, footpaths, taxis, private drivers, even going from ho- on horseback from one city to the next. I've done it all. But buses are my greatest enemy when I'm in a foreign country and I avoid them. But we were in the United States. We were in our nation's capital. So surely nothing could go wrong. Well, to make a long story short, we never ended up in Mount Vernon the family's daughter, who I think was about 12 at the time, and I were the only two people that decided to go. So we walked down to the bus depot, and I asked the lady at the ticket counter if, and I showed her my phone, if this was the correct bus to take to Mount Vernon, to which she said yes, told me how much the fare was, and gave me two tickets, and even kindly, pointed me to the platform where the bus was just then boarding. We go to the platform, I show the tickets to the driver and say something like, This is the bus to Mount Vernon, and he says something like, Yeah, 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 and you know, we go on and get aboard. Now, the bus was full of military people in uniform. And that should have been a sign. And some other working class people, but no fear. After all, Mount Vernon was a good ways out of town. But the joy of going back to Mount Vernon slowly transformed into slight concern to downright bewilderment when after about 10 stops, the bus driver told us that we were at the end of the line and we were not at Mount Vernon. In fact, we were at the gates of a military installation. And when I asked her what was wrong, she said our tickets were not for the bus for Mount Vernon. And I, I held my temper pretty well and said something like, Well, why then did the lady sell me these tickets in the first place? And she said, I don't know, sir, but you're going to have to wait here about an hour for the next bus to take you back. And then, while we sat there under one of those covered pavilions with a bench that you sit on when you get wait for the bus, it started to rain. To this day, I have no idea what happened between pulling up the Google Map, purchasing tickets for a certain number of bus, all of the ride, all of the conversations, and we never made it to Mount Vernon. And to this day, that 12-year-old girl, who's now married and has a little girl of her own, from time to time ribs me about how badly she wanted to see Mount Vernon, and still hasn't. One massive defeat for John Louis Blackburn. Well, the prophet Jeremiah tells a similar story. Though the people of Israel are not on a journey, but are in their homeland. And even while they are in their own land, they have lost their way. Part of the reason is they have lost their memory of who God is. They have forgotten who it was who had redeemed them, brought them out of the exodus. They have confused God with someone else who has treated them disdainfully. And God calls back to the children of Israel, is like someone who is innocent, pleading their cause. Someone who has been unjustly accused of something and is asking for the evidence as to why they were found guilty. And this is sometimes what happens with us, not only as individual Christians who become complacent in our Christian living, but also as parish churches When we coast through the year, sometimes expecting everything to remain exactly the same because it provides us with some sense of false comfort. But it's also a problem of worldwide denominations because it allows us to engage in bitter battles and debates that quite literally split the church without doing the hard work of discernment, prayer, and theological reflection and also as the one holy catholic and apostolic church when our ambition is not for the kingdom of god to be glorified but for our own kingdoms our own denomination maybe even our own parish church over the church that is our neighbor to be glorified it's like promoting our own bar- brand of christianity to win battles over our brothers and sisters just down the street or around the globe. And in all of these situations, the great danger is that some idol will take place and take over and move in between us and God, obscuring our view of the Almighty. Jeremiah says it this way, has a nation changed its God even though they are not true gods. That's the problem with idols, is they compel us to change our gods. And it's not the simple changing of our God from the the God that we know in the Blessed Trinity with some old pagan god like Zeus or Apollo, but it's the changing of our God from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit into something else that takes primacy of place. Because an idol becomes anything, anything that is an obsession that replaces everything. And nothing, not God, not family, not work, and not relationships matter anymore. We sometimes talk about addictions to various things alcohol gambling chocolate but what about for example the obsession obsessing over work yes we should all work hard but when does the work itself become an idol and if anything interferes with our duties and responsibilities to other people Or to other things that we have committed ourselves to until we have a meltdown. In the church itself, we are constantly in danger of constructing idols, many of them seeming to be well intentioned. There are parishes that exalt this liturgy, that elevate it past the formality required and turn it into a performance rather than an expression of what the liturgy is. Liturgy is a Greek word which means the work of the people. So yes, it's good to have vestments and candles and incense and bells and fine music and good preaching and even good readers to help us understand the Holy Scriptures. It is meet and right to have such things as we are to always offer to God the very best that we can without fail. But when do the altar limits, or the icon, or the rite, or the form and function of this service become an idol? Likewise, some churches, particularly many of those with more Protestant leanings, with services that are quite different on arms, with preaching being the focal point of the service, and the music taking on a specific role of preparing the worshipers to hear the sermon. But when do, when do these services rely too much on the stardom of the rock concert-like atmosphere to draw people in, or the preacher or pastor who must appear relevant and hip so that he can make a splash with some gimmick instead of preaching the true word of God. You see, in our attempt to do all that we can for the proclamation of the gospel, we must not lose our way. Like my travel to Mount Vernon, the people who are outside of these walls, who may from time to time peek in these doors, need all of us to help show them The true way, the way to the love of God as we know it in Christ and to not lead them astray. But because we are merely human beings, we do tend to get bored or we do tend to regard the status quo as the way things ought to be. And we sometimes forget why we come here. What are the reasons for the way we do things? or why we do the things that we do the lady at the ticket counter when i purchased my ticket probably didn't mean to send me on a wild goose chase more than likely she forgot the responsibility of her position and the job that is required of her let us not grieve the heart of christ the heart of god by forgetting the responsibility of all of our lives as Christians, but also of us as this parish church. The general thanksgiving that we say during the daily office reminds us that we are to give thanks above all for the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us not forget the wonderful things that he has done for us and for the world. The Israelites did which is what caused the Lord God to ask, what wrong did your ancestors find in me? Let us not forget that in order to contain the living water, which St. John reminds us is Jesus himself as he recounts the story of Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four. Let us remember that we must open our hearts and make them wholly devoted to him and not be cracked cisterns being cracked by the idols that attempt to fill our hearts the writer to the letters of the hebrews uses a paraphrase of one of the Psalms, and let it be our prayer as well let us be among those who say the lord is my light and my salvation, of whom then shall I be afraid? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.